you are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Hope everybody is having a blessed start to their work week. Jacob, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. It's a lot going on out there in the sports world, so we're excited to dive into it and uh, get it started on this Monday. I'm trying to recover from the brain rot that I just received (laughs) from the man on the phones, Trevor Culligan. Yes, I'm calling you out, man. You just said that the Saints and the Bears played in a Super Bowl against each other in the 2000s. (laughs) He doesn't even know, man. It was the Colts. It was the Colts, baby, the Colts. And then, yeah, then the Saints beat the Colts for Drew Brees for his first ring, baby. Yeah, the only reason why we're talking about that is because we're watching ESPN in the studio and they just gave their top five Super Bowl moments all time. And apparently all time just meant the last 25 years or so because the furthest back they went was the Steve McNair Titans-Rams Super Bowl where he got stopped right at that one-yard line. But no Julian Edelman. No Julian Edelman. I thought that was interesting. The Edelman catch should have been on there, but... To be fair, this is Max Kellerman's top five Super Bowl. So it wasn't horrible. I mean, though. it wasn't horrible. No, but those it was, were all huge moments. But the Edelman catch should have been on there. I mean, that that was an unbelievable catch against the Falcons. If you want to call in and talk to Trevor, 334-321-1390. That's the number to call or toll free at 888-382-7502. We want to talk to you as well. Anything going on in the sports world, we'd love to speak to you about it. We're going to have Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports coming up at 2.30, as well as Jacob Hillman at 3.30 p.m., the Auburn Jungle president and WEGL 91.1 FM sports director. He's going to talk to us about a certain big basketball game tomorrow as Auburn takes on the Arkansas Razorbacks. But anything you want to talk about, we want to talk football with you as well, and that's exactly where we're going to start the show off today. Of course, it was a big show on Friday. I thought we broke it down really well from everything that was public, from everything that was confirmed now let's do the exact same thing after two days after the weekend where do we stand now after a statement was released today well here's what we know we know that brian harson is still on vacation and he's not in auburn and we know that the university came out and released a statement today basically saying we're investigating and we're looking into things but have not made a decision on anything on brian harson's future on the football program's future or anything like that and they also said and i like this part they said we're not going to make decisions based off of social media posts and and rumors on social media. And I think that's extremely important. Obviously, we hope that they wouldn't do that. But they came out and made that statement just because we all know that, that Twitter has been the, the leading culprit in this entire situation, whether it be good or bad. Uh, Twitter has just been, it's been the main culprit. It's been where everybody has gone to say what they know what they think they know what they what, what they, they think. know yeah exactly in, in quotations yeah exactly so but there's no doubt that twitter has been the leading candidate or not the candidate but the leading spot the best spot the leading to be. platform yeah platform there you go and uh yeah the university came out and said that they're not making decisions based off of that which obviously you wouldn't want them to do 
This is the statement from Auburn University sent out earlier today. The Auburn administration is judiciously collecting information from a variety of perspectives, including our student athletes, and moving swiftly to understand any issues in accordance with university policies and procedures. Decisions regarding the future of Auburn and its athletics programs, as always, are made in the interest of our great university and in fairness to all concerned. We do not make institutional decisions based on social media posts or media headlines. And that's it for the statement there from Auburn University. What was your takeaway or takeaways from that statement there? Positive, negative, net zero, what do you think? Um, I mean, it's about the same, honestly, because they just came out and said, look, we're looking into the entire situation, whether that be a whoever, whatever it is, Auburn is looking into the future of Brian Harson and the football program. Nothing's changed since Nothing what has Jay Gooch said on Friday. Right, at the Board of Trustees yeah, meeting. Nothing has changed. And, I mean, we know. At least publicly, that is. Publicly to what they've given us. And, <clears throat> yeah, that's all we know. I mean, we, we can talk about it and talk about what we think. But at the, at the end of the day, we've on this show, we have talked about stating facts and talking about the facts that are proven. And we're not going to go any farther because there's no reason to. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. But that is where we're going to open up the show today here on this Monday is how do you feel currently about where the Auburn football program is at, about where Brian Harson's situation currently stands at Auburn because obviously that's what they're looking into. That's what everything is being reported on right now is where he stands and my question to you is, where do you think all this stands right now with Brian Harson going into another week? Yeah, and, and we don't know. We know as much as you guys know, and that and that's just a fact. I mean, we know what has been published, what's been said by Harson or ESPN or the university, and that's all we know, and that's all we can talk about until something else comes out of it. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty timely decision. I would I would assume it would be made uh, some whatever the decision is i would assume it would be made within this week but again i don't know i don't and we don't even know what they're looking into what they're investigating or, or anything like that so um yeah it's all just up in the air but no the 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 statement from today was no different than the statement from friday in my opinion i'll say this it's all very disappointing at this point to see how everything is unfolding what's embarrassing expound upon that it's embarrassing because you know we have a coach that's been here for a year and now the university is going in and looking at him and investigating him and could or could not be trying to find a way to get rid of him and and again we don't know why there could be something behind the scenes that we don't know about that they have legitimate reason for doing what they're doing we don't know but I think the way it's going down where there's so much disconnect between the university and Brian Harson, and then the fans and so many rumors floating around, whether they're started from Auburn fans. It's or, messy. It's just, it's so messy, and it's, it, it is. It's embarrassing to it's see. It's like a family, family argument. I think Brandon Marcello tweeted this this past yeah. weekend. It's like a yeah. family argument that spilled out onto the lawn, and your neighbors are looking around to see who's lawn, about to get arrested. And the lawn is on Twitter. <laughs> That's the problem. Social yeah. media today has just – it has taken over how we receive quote-unquote news. And, yeah, it's just – it is, man. It's sad to see how it's going down because the whole country's watching. Everybody in college football knows what's happening at Auburn. They know what's happening, but they don't know what is happening, you know.
334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Another question to ask folks out there, what is the best case scenario out of all this? And yeah, in your opinion, what what is the best case scenario? What do you think should happen depending on, you know, as as it sits right now, what do you guys think should happen? What's the best case scenario? And, and where do you see this going in the next you know, two, three days or so. Give us a call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. What do you think the best-case scenario is? If nothing else comes of it, and this is it, like there's nothing else going on, nothing else that they found in some no investigation. No rules broken, no policies broken. Yes. I think keeping Brian Harson is the best possibility and the best thing for Auburn. If there's, like we said, no rules broken, nothing like that. If he is clean and everything comes back totally fine in their investigation, I think keeping Brian Harson's the the only option here. I don't think firing him does Auburn any good. It sets Auburn back another three years for this football program. And if you fire him... Could it not be more than three years? And it could. It could be more than three years. Look at what's happened to the Tennessee football program. And I know that's been the program that a lot of people have turned their attention to to say this is what... Auburn can become but when you start to fire coaches every one to two years which Auburn's not exhibiting a ton of patience at this point if after one year they're trying to make snap conclusions once again I say if if Auburn is doing that that's not a good look for being able to bring a highly qualified candidate or the right candidate in because who would want to come and coach under those types of circumstances and not just the coaches Think Especially about the a recruits. month from spring practice. Also. Yeah, think about the recruits. Like, it, yeah, you were making the point about a coach. If you if they fire Brian Harson, okay, what coach wants to come in here and say I could be gone in the next year unless you're just coming in for the money? Which then you know <laughs> that may be a whole smart move in its own. But then for recruits, like, what recruit wants to come and play at a school where they don't even know if their head coach is going to be there their whole four years? Like, that's that's a problem when it comes to trying to run a football program. So. Again, if nothing is is found in these investigations, quote-unquote investigations from the university, I think keeping Brian Harson is the smart move. It's the only move, and there should be no reason to fire him unless there is a legitimate reason to do so. Paul Feinbaum had a question on his Twitter account earlier today. Is there ever a situation where you can judge a coach after one season or have jump conclusions or have everything all the information that you need to know about a coach after one season and my answer to that question is it depends because obviously if a coach does something that gets himself or the program in trouble then there's a no toleration policy for that right there's no tolerance for that but on the field performances if that's what we're talking about here on the field results or recruiting, all of that, the general program status, you don't have enough information after one season. And that's what I've been preaching for the past three months, it seems, since we've been barreling towards the end of the season and since Auburn hit that five-game losing skid. I've been preaching to folks, things aren't as bad as they seem. At least to me, they aren't. You don't know how this story ends just because things look the way they do. And now it's reached this point where it seems like they're trying to find a way to move on. And that's not a place where I think Auburn fans should have ever wanted this to get, at least not after one year. I don't even think after two years I would have been okay with that 
depending on next season's trajectory and how it ended. If next year was just absolutely awful, then maybe you have enough. And I think the public would understand. I think the coaching world would understand, oh, this was absolutely terrible. They had reason to move on, right? But after one season, based on on on-field results, recruiting, things like that, assuming that nobody did anything that would embarrass the program or breaking any rules of any sort or getting the program in trouble or yourself in trouble, assuming you don't have some kind of Mike Price situation, right? I don't think you can judge a coach after one year. A coach in college football at the Division I level, especially in the SEC, when he is hired on at a new school, you've got to give him three years. I've always believed that. I think three years is a good time testament. Even if after year two it's been an absolute train wreck. That's where you definitely start having concerns. Yeah, if you have back-to-back three and nine seasons or something like that. I think that, you have enough information You have enough at that information. Point. Yeah, especially if you don't see any change in those two years. It's the exact same product, year one and year two. But a six and seven first year, no, it's not good. And it's not Auburn standard. And I get all of that. But it's only been one year. You've got to give the guy three years, in my opinion. If he can make progress in those three years, then you can judge how good of a coach he is and how good of a coach he's going to be at your program. Because think about it right now. If you have a guy who's in there for three years, then over 75% of the players on that roster will be his recruits and his players. At that point, you're really going to see what his plan is. And Brian Harson has been talking about, I have the best plan for Auburn. Well, we don't even have, they're not even giving him a chance to see that plan and play that plan out because they're trying to get rid of him, quote possibly, you know? And so, no, I think three years for a coach, unless the first two years are just abysmal, you got to give the guy three years to figure it out, play out his plan, and see if he's going to be the right guy for the job. And getting rid of a guy after year one, that's just not okay. That's not the way to do it, in my opinion. Here's where I look at this, and I think it's kind of gotten blown out of proportion to a degree, that five-game losing skid and why I said this for so long. And this is looking outside of this situation as well, but we aren't where we're at today, I don't think, if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt. And that's not me blaming Bo Nix. I'm just saying the season, clearly, you saw some statements at the end of the year. I think Brian Harson had this to say. He said that the 6-7 and seven record – was not an indication of how good the team was or what they did this year. And I agree with that because there were some extenuating circumstances. The ball didn't bounce Auburn's way a lot of times. And coaches will tell you this. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in luck. I've never believed in luck. You make your own opportunities, okay? I believe in God's plan, right? But when you go out there on the football field, okay, you give your best every time. Sometimes, and coaches know this, sometimes the ball's got to bounce your way, right? And this year, the ball did not bounce Auburn's way a lot of times. There were a lot of calls that killed Auburn all season long, and I'm not just blaming this on the refs or anything like that. I'm just saying there were a lot of times this year where the ball didn't bounce Auburn's way. Auburn dealt with a litany of issues, including injuries, right? It wasn't just Bo Nix's injury that hurt Auburn this year. But if you look at when Bo Nix got hurt, Auburn doesn't lose to South Carolina. Auburn probably beats Alabama if you get that type of defensive performance with Bo Nix healthy. And then you probably, and you can't say for certain because the Mississippi State game had already taken a bad turn at the point that Bo Nix had gotten hurt. 
But Bo Nix on the play, he got hurt. It was like a 40-yard, 50-yard bomb downfield that put Auburn in scoring range. And I think that was the drive where the field goal got blocked. And after that, it was hope Hope began to take a bad direction in that ball game. I'm just saying, if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt in the Mississippi State game, they may still even win that one, right? And Auburn may finish with just three losses at the end of the regular season. I just I think you look at it and you draw the line. It's like this was a whole lot closer to being a really successful season this year and a completely different narrative if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt which is why I think all of this is just I think the situation Auburn's in currently is ridiculous and it could be self-inflicted and I say could be I'm just saying it's definitely it's wild the argument has spilled out onto the (laughs) onto the front lawn and, and that's why you were saying earlier that it's an embarrassment because all across college football people are looking on this and the laundry's strewn across the floor because there's no reason to be in this situation you're 100 percent right if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt we're not in this situation if Auburn doesn't blow a 40 point lead or give up 40 straight points to Mississippi State we're not in this situation but if those Aub- things did happen if Auburn just beats Alabama that was a 50-50 game and triple overtime on a two-point conversion if you just beat Alabama if Auburn beats Houston is this it- even a conversation I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think this would be a thing. But I don't know, man. There's there's so many perspectives on this. But and no. you don't have all the facts and right we, now. No, we don't. I, I especially don't have all the facts right now. But if any of those four or five things, if just one of those happened, I think we're not in this situation. And Auburn's not in this situation. And so when you really look back on it and you're like, okay, if we just – Think about it that way. If one of those things happened, would we be having this conversation? No. So then, why are we having it right now? Because one season is not the you know it wasn't as bad all. as people made it out to be. This, no, this football season was not that bad. It I it, I understand it sucks to have a losing season and lose five games in a row. I get all of that. I know that's not the Auburn some of those standard. losses were ugly. Like they it wasn't were. fun. No, I agree. But I don't. The one year is not a good enough. One bad year in his first year is not a good enough reason to fire the guy. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Auburn basketball. They hang on to beat Georgia by two on the road. A lot being made about this team. Should they be number one? We talk about that when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Brian Harson situation. Talked about that in the first segment. We'll have Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports to get his thoughts on it and everything going on with Alabama as well. We're going to pivot in the program now to talk a little Auburn basketball, but we do want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. The phone lines are open. We're taking your calls here this segment. Anything going on? You want to talk basketball? You want to talk football? Whatever your thoughts are, the Super Bowl's also coming up this Sunday. The Olympics. Um, I know you didn't like that, but if you want to. Boom. <laughs> I haven't watched a lick of the Winter Olympics. Well, I was telling you before the show, it's difficult to watch it right now. I love the Winter Olympics, okay? We don't have to talk about this long. But I love the Winter Olympics. It's my favorite one. But it's really hard when the Olympics are in China and everything is 12 hours ahead. So nothing is live unless you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning watching figure skating. So it makes it tough. But I like the Olympics. We're going to talk a little Auburn basketball now. Auburn hangs on to beat Georgia with a last-second bucket from SEC Player of the Week, Wendell Green Jr., 74-72 to on the road in Athens. It wasn't a good second-half performance for Auburn. Night and day difference from what you saw in the first half versus the second half. I told you going into this game, I said Georgia is a top-half-of-the-league 
offensive team. Horrendous defensive team. The defense found just enough in this game in the second half, and I think a lot of Auburn's issues in the second half were self-inflicted, but Georgia found just enough in this one to almost beat Auburn. Yeah, they almost did. You're exactly right. And look, Georgia can score the basketball, and they they show that they can shoot, get out and run, and do whatever they need to do on offense to compete in a basketball game, but they held Auburn to 74 points, and the last two points were at the very end. And I mean, there was just there was a lot of things in this game that Auburn just can't have happen. I mean, Georgia shot 29 free throws in the game at home versus 18 against Auburn. Auburn had the size advantage on the inside on the front court all day long, and they just didn't really they didn't abuse it, for lack of a better word. You know what I'm saying? Like they should have fed Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, in my opinion, feed them the ball because there was nobody on Georgia that could stop those two guys, but yet. You know, I mean, everybody else saw it. Jabari Smith only had seven points, two of seven from the field, and hit one of his shots was a three at the very beginning of the game. And so, I don't know, man. There was, there it was sloppy basketball for Auburn for a lot of the time, and fourteen turnovers on the road in the SEC. I mean, that, you're asking for a loss at that point. I thought Walker Kessler should have got the basketball more. You listen to the broadcast, you watch the broadcast, you're on social media, everybody's saying get the ball to number 10. I'm saying the whole time get the ball to number 13. He went 5 for 7 from the field. He had 10 points, 9 rebounds, 4 blocks. It was another vintage performance for Walker Kessler. It's not like he blew up the stat sheet or anything. But I, don't, but I also don't think that he was the focal point of what Auburn did on Saturday, and I thought he should have been because, once again, I go back to going into this game in conference play, Georgia gave up two-point buckets at a percentage of 60%. That's ridiculously bad in college basketball. That's going to put you in the 340s out of 358 Division I college basketball teams. Jabari Smith is a generational talent. He is going to be an excellent NBA player. I don't have an issue with where Auburn gets him the basketball typically. On Saturday, it was clear it was not working where they were trying to get him the basketball. He had three turnovers. He was two for seven. Georgia was denying his shots. He wasn't getting those typical fouls that he gets called when he pulls up. And those spots that I'm talking about is the extended elbow just in front of the three-point line. Long two, right? And he excels at making those shots typically. I don't have a problem with Auburn getting him the basketball there. But once again, I go back to Auburn's issues on Saturday. They were self-inflicted. They needed to, if they were going to work on getting the ball to Jabari Smith, and you're seeing these issues with Jabari Smith trying to get that traditional shot that works so well, if that's being taken away, take what the defense is getting you. I would love to see Jabari Smith's game evolve a little bit more closer to the basket. I think that's something that has been missing a little bit here this year. This is just me being objective. He's going to be a top three draft pick this year in the NBA draft. He may be the number one overall pick, but if you're looking for something that's been missing from his game this year that I would like to see more of, not that he doesn't have it, but just something that I would like to see more of, it's getting the man the ball down low a little bit more because I think a lot of those shots, he's six foot ten. He's going to be able to make that fadeaway if it's five feet close, closer to the bucket than where he's typically attempting the fadeaway jump shot, right? And you can engineer things in the offense to get him the basketball closer to the rim and that's what they should have been doing everything that Auburn should have been doing late in the second half should have been closer to the rim but it wasn't and that's why Auburn struggled in the second half against Georgia for whatever reason and, and you can criticize coaching in the second half you really can and that's not me saying that Bruce Pearl's a bad coach or anything like that but Bruce should have called a timeout and he even said that in the postgame he should have called a timeout before it became a one-point ball game you call a timeout when it drops to six especially when you're missing one of your leaders like Zepp Jasper 
you've got to rein it in. And sometimes this Auburn team and the coaching staff has a little bit of a difficult time this year reining things in. It's an every game basis now with this team that they blow leads. It is. And eventually, it will come back to bite you. And I'm just hoping that it doesn't bite them in the tournament because this team is the best team in America. They are the most talented team in America, and they should win the national championship. And I would hate to see this talent go to waste. It's going to come back and bite them. You're exactly right. And everybody knows that Auburn is going to have a double-digit lead at the half, and they're going to blow it and let the team back in the game. That's just how this Auburn team has played it's an every game all basis. season long. It's every single game. But against Georgia, you can't do that. Like, you can't do got, it against anybody. No, but it's especially Georgia, who is a bottom-level team of the in in the SEC. But to go back on your few points here real quick before we go to break, Walker Kessler, I said on Friday that Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith they may they might combine for a total of 50 points on Saturday. Well, they combine for 17. There's a problem there. Those two guys are too tall and too skilled and too good to not have more than 17 total points because if they were extending their defense on Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler is going to be open or he's going to have a mismatch down low. The dude's seven foot one. He's taller than everybody else and he's skilled. So you got to give him the basketball. But I like your point. I think Jabari Smith should get some more under the basket inside the paint presence rather than shooting the long contested fadeaway 18 foot jumpers not that he can't make them but anybody else on our team that shoots that shot that's a bad shot and that's just the long range two-point jumper is the worst shot in college basketball it just is but Jabari Smith has shown that he it's can the worst make shot that in shot. basketball period it's the worst shot in basketball 18 foot jumpers are dumb step either step in and, and take a better shot or step back and take the three but Jabari's proved that he can make that but no I like your point get Jabari some more easier shots yeah some more post presence easier shots fadeaways and I think that's kind of what Bruce Pearl was talking about today when addressed by the media about it is he said look if Jabari had a better coach he'd be a lot better he'd get a lot more shots right and he said that Jabari was going to have to overcome that and I think that's Bruce being selfless and saying it's on me Bruce is a great coach I'm not criticizing Bruce Pearl in a negative way to say that it's his fault or anything like that this is an incredible coaching job he's 22 and one he should be a national coach of the year candidate here of course Ed Cooley at Providence he's going to have something to say about that considering they're 20 and two one last point that I want to make about this Auburn team here after this game a lot's being made about a lot's being made about should this team still be number one and whatever and there was a lot being made after the game about should Auburn have won this game or not blah 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 a lot of people are heaping coals onto this Auburn team but the reality is both can be true this Auburn team shouldn't be blowing leads but it's also really comforting to know that this Auburn team's going to find a way they were down by two with 59 seconds left and they ended up winning by two over that last minute without all the nonsense of having to foul and make last-second shots and whatnot. Auburn still finds ways. Both can be true. They need to quit blowing leads, but they're also incredibly clutch. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. 33 minutes into the Monday program. And now we're joined by Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? Hey, what's up, guys? I, I know it's a quiet couple days on the planes and you're having some uh, a hard quiet. time finding things to talk about. So <laughs> Quiet. Well, I know you've been jumping at the bit to get after this since the stuff has been... Uh, 
breaking all the way since Thursday night. What's your take on the situation currently on the planes revolving around Brian Harson's tenure at Auburn and very short tenure that is? I don't I, listen. I'm not here to accuse anybody of anything. We've all heard the rumors. We will not hint on those rumors. But man, if you let Brian Harson go, I mean, who who would you who would want to coach at Auburn football right now? I mean, what like it was you already had Cristobal and Napier and um, Venables and all those guys roll through an interview last year and they hated the power structure, so they went somewhere else. Now. Any of, I mean, like, there, what big name would take this job if something happens to Brian Harson? And I'm, look, I'm, I'm in the Twitter spaces. I've enjoyed it. I've laughed. I've cried. I've cried laughing while listening to him. I mean, but I mean, what, who would take this job? And uh, outside of a Hugh Freeze who is setting up escorts for recruits and using a company phone to call escorts at Ole Miss, I mean, who, who would take the job? And who even knows if Hugh Freeze would, be allowed to take if Auburn will be allowed to offer him the job by the SEC. So I, I don't know. I think Brian Harson still deserves his time. Um, I'm not sure if the room if they if people have done this to Brian Harson have concocted all this mess to make him want to quit. Um, it's a shame. Um, it looks like that might be the case. Um, but man, it, it's tough, and I really just hope the best uh, for the situation. Um, and if, if, if that stuff's not true about Brian Horst, I mean, people have drug his name through the mud uh, for the last five days now. So, I mean, it's just a tough situation. And all the eyes of college football, I mean, true, I mean, national beat writers, everybody's looking at what's happening at Auburn right now, and it's not, it's not a good thing. Jeremy Law, Jacob Goins here. I wanted to ask you, you kind of hinted at it a little bit. First, you said that national eyes are on Auburn, and that's what I talked about in our first segment, how it's almost an embarrassment watching what Auburn is putting themselves through. But I wanted to ask you, because we had this question, in your opinion, if none of their investigations, if they come up with absolutely nothing, what is the best situation for Auburn to come out of this? I'm not sure what – I mean, does Brian – I mean – Here's the issue: If does Brian Harson even want to stay after this? And if they don't find a reason to fire him with cause, I mean, he's going to make them fire him, and he is going to try to get every penny for, out of the buyout. And for an athletics department that just lost nine point seven million dollars last year, I mean, can can Auburn fire him without cause? I think Brian Harson wants to stay. I think he wants to coach at Auburn. I think he loves each and every one of those guys in the locker room. And, yeah, you know what, you can, you can interview any disgruntled employee, any disgruntled player who didn't have things go their way at any workplace or any college football locker room, and there, there's people that have bad things to say about Nick Saban. They didn't like their experience at Tuscaloosa. It's too hard on them, things along those lines. Yeah, it's easy for some of those guys that transferred and left the program to get on Instagram Live and trash Brian Harson and trash Auburn, but when you look at Brahms and – a lot of the other guys that put statements out there, Tony Fair, listen, those guys love Brian Harson. He held them to a standard, and I think a lot of people appreciate that. And He is a quarterback injury away from a 9-4 and four season, 10-3 and three season. He, caught the, he caught, just caught a bad break towards the end of last year, probably wins the Iron Bowl, probably beats South Carolina. Um, I mean, it probably wins the bowl game with Bo Nix healthy. He caught a bad end of a stick there, and you just think, I mean, this could be going a completely different direction, and I just don't completely understand it if all the outside noise is false. But we also know that people didn't want to hire Brian Harson last year. We, that's a fact. They wanted Kevin Steele to be the head coach. 
Um, and heck, I'm seeing tweets about Kevin Steele today, and I don't necessarily – I mean, is Kevin Steele even an option? I mean, is he happy at Miami? I mean, surely Auburn will be a, a bigger job than the Miami D.C., but, man, it's, it's, been, it's been crazy, and it popped up out of nowhere while the guy's on vacation. It's just, it, all, it all seems a little fishy is all I'm saying. Jeremy, taking a look at the Alabama football program where everything is sunshine and rainbows. This is the first Still time we've like. talked to you since National Signing Day. What is your take on your final take on the Crimson Tide class? Yeah, listen, a phenomenal class. Um, you know, they did, they weren't. I think they still actually might have the number one when you include transfers and um, um, high school recruits. Tough to figure out. Tough, tough to find that all on the websites, whatever. But Alabama got what they wanted in the class. They got quarterbacks, receivers, recruited two more dominant tackles, got enough tight ends. Um, they re- they recruited linebacker well with Sean Murphy, uh, two more dominant defensive ends in Campbell and Alexander. Um, and they and they landed. I think they got guys in the portal like Ricks at corner that they wanted. They had they had a haul at safety the last few years. And, of course, they got the two guys, uh, Fegans and Earl Little Jr. at corner. So, I mean, listen, Alabama's got a phenomenal class. They're going to be competing with the best in the country still year in and year out. Um, and you, you think about saving. I mean, the, the portal is still open. I mean, like that, something could happen. Guys could go to spring and not like their new head coach. And if they're out of conference, you get an automatic waiver to play. So there's guys all over the country who may not like their new head coach or their situation and pop in the portal at the end of spring practice, and they could be on campus at an SEC school near you. So the portal is still in play uh, for a, not just Alabama, for a lot of teams uh, in the SEC. Looking at teams outside of Auburn and Alabama on signing day, is there anybody that caught your attention, uh, whether it be positive or negative, for their signing class? Yeah, I thought Billy Napier closed pretty well, man. And that's a hard-nosed guy. You're not going to catch him off guard. Um, he's a player's coach. Uh, to, Kind of, he's kind of Nick Saban a little bit, and I know a lot of people were saying Brian Harson was cut from the same cloth as Nick Saban. But Brian, man, Napier—he's a different type of guy. I think he's going to have some good success. He's going to have good recruiting classes. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to transfer to success, but I think he's in a good situation. Obviously, and him closing well, man. Landon Shamar Stewart puts him over the top. Um, they're the first NIL class, and they land seven five stars. Hint, hint. Um, so we'll see. I know Jimbo went on a rant the other day, but that's just not coincidence to a lot of people um, around the college football landscape. So, I mean, A&M's class is phenomenal. Um, Georgia's class phenomenal. But I really thought Billy Napier closed it out pretty well. I know he got a guy, offered a guy late that Auburn really wanted to sign. Um, you know, so hats off to Billy Napier. I think that that's one of those that has talent and he can get them on the up and up in just a couple of years. Speaking with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us, looking at, and this is going to be a little bit of a fun question here, looking at two new head coaches in the SEC, which do you expect to have more success long-term, Brian Kelly at LSU or Billy Napier at Florida? Man, I like Napier. And I know Brian Brian Kelly did a really good job of getting Harold Perkins. Make no mistake about it. I mean, that's big time. That's a five-star guy. You, I mean, you, you feel good about that, but Brian Kelly has access to roughly the same amount of talent. I mean, per capita, LSU's got the most – I mean, Louisiana's got more most talent in the NFL. But, man, I, I like I like, I like like Billy Napier, man. I think he's going to have tons of success in Florida. Still the only team in Florida in the Premier League uh, 
you know, the SEC able to hold off. Now he's going to have his hands full with Chris the ball. Um, the guy at FSU recruited okay. I mean, Gus is at UCF, but uh, Napier's got access to a lot of talent, and Florida still is such a big national brand. I think Napier's a really good coach. Jeremy, want to switch topics over to Alabama basketball. Of course, they're coming off the loss at home against Kentucky on Saturday. What were your takeaways from that specific game against Kentucky, and then what are you looking for from the rest of the season from the Crimson Tide? At what point do you adjust what you do? I mean, I'm not saying like the rest of the year you stop shooting threes, but when Alabama was two for 23 from deep, if I'm Nate Oates, I'm saying, all right, we're hitting twos at 44%. Okay. Just take away, say, say they're shooting, they shot 15 for 34 from two, 44%. You go down the stretch in that game, say you take five threes away, add them to your twos, you shoot your average, you got 8.8 points. Well, down the stretch in that game in, a, in an 11 point win, that game was, you know, seven, eight point game. If Alabama comes up with 8.8 more points uh, in the ball game, you, you feel like they would have at least had a chance to win at the end. And, man, uh, they're shooting open jumpers from three, contested jumpers from three. It didn't matter. Listen, this team can't shoot. If Jaden Shackelford's not on fire, they are in trouble. If they shoot their season average, they probably win the game, but you can't. You're shooting three for 30. 10%. I mean, I'm watching high school teams shoot, shoot. Just, I mean, every Friday, every couple days during the week, shoot 10 times better than Alabama basketball can. You just ask yourself, Nate Oates, when do you adjust in this game to say, guys, we're not hitting the three. We have to do something different. We got to drive. We got to get some guys open down low. And then on the defensive end, I mean, how many times can you collapse on the ball handler only to let Sheeb Way or Walker Kessler or any other big man in the league take a lob on your head over and over and over again and not make any type of defensive adjustment. I think Alabama's been alley-ooped on about 15 times in the last two games. At some point, you have to adjust, and if you can't hit the three, I know that's your style of play, that's your bread and butter, but oh my goodness, Alabama's like 300th in three-point percentage now in America, and they shoot the eighth most threes in college basketball. Those two just don't go together, and it's a, it's a disaster recipe, and that's what you've gotten from Alabama basketball since the start of conference play, I mean, they have the best wins in America, but oh my goodness, they are just, they're just not impressive. And you hope that those wins, if they keep playing the way they're playing right now, are going to be enough to, you know, get them. I mean, they're still going to make the tournament, but maybe not get a horrible seed. Heck, I mean, if they, if they don't start playing a little better, they could finish this stretch really bad uh, down the regular season. So it's kind of all up in the air right now for Bama Hoops. Looking at Alabama's remaining schedule, eight games left. They're four and six in the SEC, fourteen to nine overall. Believe it or not, Texas A&M, a team that started out hot, they've lost six straight games. If the SEC tournament began today, Texas A&M would be in the first day of the SEC tournament of those last four teams in the league. Alabama's tied with them in the standings among another group of four and six teams my question to you is looking at this remaining schedule you're talking about the tournament a little bit how confident are you in Alabama making the NCAA tournament with what's on the remaining schedule that has quite a few tough games left just hey let's just look at their next four are they going to beat Ole Miss at Ole Miss right now that tells me that it, you, right now watching them no against Arkansas Arkansas is a much better team Mississippi State they already beat you at Kentucky, dude, this team, I don't know. This team, I don't think they're winning at Rupp. I don't think it'll be close. At Vandy, we don't play great on the road. South Carolina, maybe. 
we're just as good as Texas A&M, coin toss, and then at LSU, Will Wade's going to try to, I mean, he's going to try to pound you as much as possible. He and Nate Oates have built this little rivalry. I mean, what do they finish there with two wins down the stretch? Um, you know, listen, it's not all Nate Oates' fault. You didn't think J.D. Davison would be this bad. You thought Javon Quinterly could at least shoot 35% this year. I mean, he shot 40% in conference last year. It's phenomenal. Jaden Shackelford is, is hit or miss for Bama. He's still the leading scorer. If he's having a great game, Alabama's going to play great. You thought Betty Ako would be more consistent down low. He's had flashes. He played great against Kentucky, had the best player of any team, of any player for Alabama. Um, but he's been very inconsistent, and Alabama doesn't have great bench play. James Rojas is hitting the side of the glass with three pointers. Jawan Gary can be a superstar or come up with four points in a game. So, you know, you thought that you'd have better players this year. You thought the talent would be elevated. You had a good recruiting class. And now for Alabama, you know, in this in this one-and-done type of – in the transport portal type of climate that is college basketball, you, you roll in with next year's recruiting class, which is, I think, third in the country right now. I mean, you could go to an instant contender. I mean, look at Auburn and some of the guys that they have. You get a transfer like a Walker Kessler. Alabama's probably going to look to send some guys to the portal and pull some guys out of the portal. You grab Noah Gurley, who has dominated Alabama the two times he played him in the past, and he comes to Alabama, and he's a non-factor in the SEC. So there's gonna, I think there's going to be a good bit of roster shakeup for Alabama in the offseason because this is a player's game. You run five guys out there, and a lot of times if the other, the other five across from you are better, you're not going to win. So you've got to have good players. And right now the players for Alabama aren't getting it done. I mean, they shot 10% from three guys. That's just that's not good enough, and it's unacceptable. Last question to you before we let you get out of here. How do you like how or how do you feel about how Nate Oates has handled the team? Not saying that he's not taking responsibility, but he has in recent press conferences put a lot on the players here for them to take responsibility of how the season is unfolding right now. What is your take on how Nate Oates is handling the situation currently at Alabama? Uh, well, you know, I think a lot of Alabama fans are getting tired of we got to shoot the ball better and we didn't play with enough energy. I mean, that's kind of the, the Avery Johnson, well, it's a tale of two halves. Yeah, Avery, you said that after every game for four years. I mean, like Nate Oates, quit telling us how much energy that you didn't play. We see it. We, we see it. Quit telling us that we're not shooting the ball well. Make an adjustment. Make an adjustment. Do something. Coach them. Tell them to stop shooting it. You shot 10%. You would, have, you would have won the game probably if you shot 10 less threes and shot 10 more twos. You probably win the game. So, um, you know, I, I think Alabama fans are scratching their heads. You like Nate Oates. You love the recruiting. They're going to have plenty of recruiting. you got good players coming in next year. This is not an indictment on Nate Oates. I mean, I mean – no, no shot at Auburn, but for a couple of years, you know, they weren't great. Last year wasn't a great year. Alabama had a great year last year. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be cyclical, but you got to have the talent um, to win a lot of games. And with the one-and-done climate, it's, I think it's more talent-based than ever. So if you have the talent, you're going to win games. And uh, for Nate Oates, you know, I think he needs to put a little more on himself, a little less on the players. And if you're going to say the team didn't play with any energy, I mean, that's a, that's a coaching thing. And I, that's why I think a lot of people respect Nick Saban because after a loss, he's never said that the guys didn't do this or that. I mean, they may not have executed, but it's his job to get the guys ready. It's Nate Oates, Brian Hodge, and Antoine Petway's job to get the guys ready to play. And listen, they're, what, four and six in conference. Who, I mean, who predicted that going into the, going into the year? You thought this team would be uh, – 
seven and three in conference through this point, probably at the worst. Well, they're four and six, and they're not they're not playing good basketball. So um, they're going to have to get better, and they're going to have to they're going to have to finish this stretch over five hundred for a lot of people to be happy. And I'm not sure that'll really keep them happy. They probably need to finish it, you know, winning three out of every four down the stretch at about seventy five percent for Alabama fans to feel confident going into the SEC tournament and potentially the the NCAA tournament. Jeremy, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. I hope you have a good rest of your afternoon, bud. Thanks, guys. Take care. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports with us. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we wrap up hour number one talking a little college basketball. Wrapping up hour number one of the Monday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you. Big thank you there to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports for joining us in hour number one. If you missed any of the show so far, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review. Subscribe. Put those five stars. We want to hear from you. Absolutely. Make sure you call in with anything you got in the sporting world, Auburn football, Auburn basketball, Bama sports, professional sports. I don't care what it is, man. Just give us a call. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. Phone lines are open for the next 40 minutes until we'll have Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president with us at 3.30. So everything going on. I mean, there's a lot going on. Talk to us. We want to hear from you about it. How do you feel about what's going on with the Auburn football program right now? Also, Auburn basketball hanging on to beat Georgia. Before we get out of here for hour number one, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey, everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The 2022 Winter Olympics continue on NBC from 7 to 11.30 p.m. with alpine skiing, figure skating, speed skating, and more. A new episode of Big Brother Celebrity Edition is on CBS at 8 p.m. Movie selections for tonight's superhero movie with Ant-Man and the Wasp on TNT at 5.30. Men in Black International is on FX Movies at 6.40. Gran Torino is on AMC at 7. In live sports, it's a big Monday in college basketball. Virginia has at number nine, Duke at six on ESPN. Staying in the ACC over on ACC Network at six as well. Virginia Tech will host Pittsburgh. Moving to the 8 p.m. time slot, we have some top 25 action. Number seven, Arizona is at Arizona State on FS1. Number 10, Kansas and number 23, Texas square off in the Big 12 on ESPN. The NBA schedule has one game on NBA TV at 7 p.m. as the Phoenix Suns and the Chicago Bulls battle it out. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Back live on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama for On the Line. Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you on the show. We're going to wrap up hour number one talking a little bit about college basketball, some things that happened over the weekend. What was your biggest result from the weekend? Anything that caught your eye that happened over the weekend? I've already got a couple lined up, but what are you thinking? Mm, dude, there was so much good basketball. I do want to say that in our picks on Friday, I went 11-1 and in my picks. The only one I missed was the UConn-Villanova game. I picked UConn, and uh, Villanova ended up putting it on them. But I think I only missed one, and I think it was Indiana-Illinois. Oh, did you pick it? Oh, yeah, you picked Indiana because you have the and jersey And it looked good whatever. in the first half. Yeah, yeah, it did. Man, and they, they went off. I think one of the best games, and it was kind of overshadowed because it was late at night, but Arizona State taking down UCLA in triple overtime. What a game. I mean, that's... That's great basketball, and it was back and forth, triple overtime is always exciting. But it just goes to show, we've talked about it on the show before, that the Pac-12 is just not that good when it comes to basketball. They're just not they're not that good, and people are going to get exposed out of the Pac-12. Uh, but that was definitely, Kansas, definitely one of the games of the weekend. Yeah, 
Kansas, number 10 in this past week's poll. Now they're number eight, and they thumped Baylor. That was not close from the them. start. Yes. 83 from, to 59. Yeah. From the start. Like, it was over. It was over within the first five minutes of the game. Like, it it was over. That was a fantastic game. There were good lineups all day long on ESPN. Of course, Duke taking down North Carolina by 20 points. Nobody really had North Coach Carolina K's winning that game. Coach last trip to yeah. Chapel Hill. Yep. Yep. And I mean, Villanova, I think, was a big result, though. I think I think the two biggest results from the weekend were Kansas beating Baylor by a lot. And then Villanova with Gillespie getting hurt even in that game. And it's good to see him come back. But Villanova winning by 11 when a lot of people you watch game day, two out of the three on game day picked UConn to win Villanova at home, though. Villanova is still very dangerous come tournament time. Also think Duke is too. two teams that are hovering around number 10 right now in the polls. Outside that top five, two teams that traditionally, obviously, are elite college basketball programs. I'm going to tell you, Villanova and Duke are, are dangerous to watch. Duke this year, their three losses have come by a combined eight points this year. Yeah, watch out for the Big East, man. They they play a different brand of basketball up there, up north. And the Big East has got some teams that can do some damage in the NCAA tournament. Watch out for teams like Providence and Villanova, and even UConn, even with the loss. The fact that Providence is ranked, like, number 15, and they're 22. And they're two games ahead in their conference, above everybody else in the Big East. And Villanova's 12. Doesn't make any sense. That's it for hour number one of On the Live. We'll be back with hour number two at 3 o'clock. You are On the Line, live on ESPN, 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Happy Monday to everybody out there. I hope everybody's having a blessed Monday. We're going to start off hour number two as we do every day with Making Headlines. Making Headlines. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Want to make sure everybody knows the phone lines are open. If you want to talk about anything that we're talking about here on the show or anything else that you got going on in the sports world, we want to hear from you about it. Of course, the Brian Harson situation is something that we would love to talk to you about as well as Auburn basketball or anything else going on in sports. The Super Bowl's coming up. Jacob likes to talk about figure skating. Anything that you want to talk about, we will break it down with you here on the Monday edition of the program. And the first headline that we're going to get into here is Auburn releases a statement on the Brian Harson situation. This is from earlier today. This statement from Auburn University, quote, the Auburn administration is judiciously collecting information from a variety of perspectives, including our student athletes, and moving swiftly to understand any issues in accordance with university policies and procedures. Decisions regarding the future of Auburn and its athletics programs, as always, are made in the interest of our great university and in fairness to all concerned. We do not make institutional decisions based on social media posts or media headlines. And that's all we know. I mean, all we know is what the facts are, the statements from the university, the statements that Brian Harson has made to ESPN, his dis you know, his displeasures with Auburn, Auburn's displeasures with him. We know what former players have said. We know players, what current yeah. players have said. And I think that's a big thing that we didn't get to in the first segment or in the first hour is all of the players reaching out and talking about their opinions. And like on Friday we saw a lot of the players 
former and current players saying what they thought about Brian Harson, but then we've seen some guys on Twitter like trying to reach out to the board and say, "Hey, please bring Nick us Brahms. in." Nick Brahms, like one of the leaders on this football team, reaching out to the board of trustees at Auburn and saying, "Hey, we want to talk. Like, please bring us in so they we can give our side." Coach. Because they like this guy. They like him as a football coach and as a man and how he treats them, and they want their opinion and their voices to be heard. And I think they're right because at the end of the day, they're the ones that matter. If the players want the coach to be there, he should be there, in my opinion. Let's head to the phone line now, 334-321-1390. Dan, our first call here in hour number two. Dan, how's it going today? Uh, it's going okay. Um, you know, obviously, uh, it's a real tricky situation with what's going on. But I will just say from experiences and from things that I've heard, you know, in the fall, I was able to talk to some players, and they said that when Harson came in, he was very disciplined and very structured and strict. And like right from a player's mouth, he said we needed it so bad. He said that just a lot of people were kind of entitled. They, you know, they kind of showed up when they wanted to, and you know, they didn't make their workouts like they should. And he goes, he goes, it was a breath of fresh air, you know, to have a coach that was actually gonna gonna make us do what we were supposed to do. And so. When I was in school a long time ago, um, you know, I played football. And my first year as a freshman in high school, we had one of the best coaches in the state in one state probably seven out of 14 years. And they were some of the meanest coaches. I, I mean, it's like if you messed up, you were going to get cussed out and you were going to get yelled at and you were going to get screamed at. And maybe what they did back then wasn't, you know, exactly the way it's supposed to be done. But that that's how – that the team, they just knew they had to do the things the right way. They had, they couldn't just screw around. And then that coach retired, and then we got a new coach in, and they were really easy. I mean, like, like if we messed up, you know, just do better next time or whatever. We won one game the next three years. And so I think, you know, with Gus, which, you know, I like Gus as a person, and I thought I think he was a good coach. But, you know, it, it's – He's just he, – he, he, you, you can't even – you're not even going to cuss at practice, which I, I don't – Yeah, I mean, that's fine if that's the way you want to do it. But, I mean, football is kind of a man's sport, and, and you know what? You, you're going to get yelled at, and you're going to get – you know, if, if you're doing the right thing, it seems like the coach loves you and never gets on to you. And if you're doing the wrong thing, it seems like he, he won't stop yelling at you, you know. And, uh, I mean, it was the same thing when uh, Coach Garner was here. Um, uh, Tyron Truesdale came in his first – after his first practices, and I talked to him, and he was like – Man, it's so hard. I'm so exhausted. It's like I'm a guy on the bottom, and I'm getting like I can't do anything right because I'm just. He said, "But I'm I'm, I'm going to stick it out, you know. I, I you know." And then I saw him three months later, and he was like, "Man, he, I'm finally getting it. I'm in better shape." He, he goes, "It's starting to make sense." He goes, "He goes, man. He goes, he goes, but it was hard work. He's like I had to really like totally step up." And so, you know, I don't know everything that happened. I don't know, you know, everything that Coach Parsons said. You know, it just sounds to me, you know, like he's like, hey, look, you know what, you got to do it this way, and if you don't want to do it this way, then then you probably shouldn't be in the program. Get get out, you know. And I'm sure that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, you know. You know, you're with with Gus, and you've never been cussed at for four years, and all of a sudden you get a coaching staff that's probably yelling at you if you're doing the things wrong, you know. Right. I, I don't know. I just think I think a lot of it has to do with that, and I think the players that are already mentally strong and were either brought up, maybe their parents were in the military, or maybe. Maybe they're just used to being, you know, around stricter coaching. 
they have no problem with it. They just dive right in and go, this is, this is great. You know, we like this. This is like, we're, we're now everybody's pushing in the same direction, you know, but then the players that, that just are not used to that. And if you've been under Gus for three years and, and, and it's been easy and you kind of just do what you want. And then all of a sudden now you got some guy yelling at you every five minutes, then, you know, you're not going to like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you bring up good points, know. Dan. You really do about, and there, I mean, there's no doubt that there's a difference in the coaching styles between Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson. I don't think there's any doubting that. And everybody knows that Brian Harson is a hard dude and he wants it done right. He wants it done his way. And I've been saying that since he got here, it's more of a buy in or get out type of guy. And that's how the players have responded. And some of them like that and some of them don't. And that's just how, it, you know, that's how it is. But that's where the problem comes in is a lot of these players aren't Brian Harson's players. And if they don't like that, then they deserve to get, you know, they deserve to go somewhere else. But Brian Harson also deserves to have players that do want to buy into his, his system. Yeah. And I mean, look, the nice guy, you know, the, the nice coaching, you know, got us about eight, eight wins a year. <laughs> so it's like, I don't think Auburn fans and, and Auburn board of trustees all want to be sitting at eight wins. I think, you know, so, you know, I, I'm just I'm worried. If, you know, if we do let him go, that, that I mean, I, I'm more worried about us finding another coach that's going to go. Golly, like, okay, so I got to be super nice. I got to be, you know, I can't, you know, try to get my guys. I mean, I have to sit there and like tiptoe around. That's gonna that's gonna turn away a lot of really great coaches, and then I'm worried we're just gonna end up, you know, begging somebody to come. And I don't know. I mean, it just just seems like it's bad I, I timing. Know. Yeah, it's really appreciate bad it, timing. Yeah, appreciate it, Dan. It's really bad timing. It is. It, it is really bad timing, and it's just not a good look. I've been saying it, and Dan's right. I mean, if 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 Auburn fires Gus Mal or not Gus Malzahn, uh, Brian Harson, I mean, who are they going to hire, man? I the mean, lines kind of blur when it goes on a year to year basis. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and you can't blame somebody for not wanting to come to Auburn, whether they're a recruit or a coach right now, because of how they're getting treated and what's going on behind the scenes. I mean. It's it's a tough situation to be in, and I'm going to stay and stand on my on my hill of firing Brian Harson unless there's a reason to, and that's that's a whole different situation. But if there's no if there's no legitimate reason or anything that he did wrong, firing Brian Harson does not do you any good if you're Auburn. Number to call three three four three two one thirteen ninety and toll free at eight 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 three eight two seventy five zero two. Phone lines are open, and we appreciate the call there, Dan. Uh, I'm just waiting for all the facts to come out. You know, that's I all think we can do. I think that's something that would be very prudent for a lot of Auburn folks to do is just kind of wait to see what all the facts say about the situation. That seems like what the university is doing right here, according to their statement. But it also you look at how this has gone out into the media and how this has transpired, not only on social media but also in articles written or video shows and radio shows out there and how this is being talked about across the state and across the entire sport. I mean, this is getting national attention right now on ESPN.com as well as 24-7 Sports, among other things. And I'm talking about the national desk, not just locally here. This is getting a lot of attention. Brandon Marcello said it really well on Twitter the other day when he said Auburn's arguments, they, they tend to kind of get out onto the front lawn it's like a a family issue and they get out onto the front lawn and everybody all your neighbors are like what is going on yeah and, who's and about like, to get arrested someone like call I the said, cops you know yeah and like i said that's twitter right now that's where it's happening is on twitter and it's it's a nasty place to be but um yeah it it is what it is but let's head to the phone lines keith on the line welcome in hey uh yeah i i don't know uh what all's going on i'm i'm just about to be over and out and through with it. I just, uh, I, 
you know, it, it, all this rumor and accusation and all, that's just not something that I want to be part of. And uh, the uh, I don't know that it's the coaches and all that stuff. I, I think it's more the fans that, just like you say, Twitter and stuff like that. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know why any of this became public knowledge. I mean, uh, until there was some proof. If there's proof, you know, it, it, the proof is there. But, uh, you know, all this just, uh, especially when it involves the family and everything, I just, I think that's as ugly as it gets. No, I agree with you, Keith. And that, and the problem is, right now, that's all it is, is rumors and so-called allegations because there's no, right now, there's no given facts or proof of anything. And like we've been saying, if that stuff does eventually come out to where there's some fact to whatever it is, then that's a whole different ballgame. But as of right now, all we can do is speculate and talk about the things that we know. And, and I agree, when it, when it starts involving people's personal lives and their jobs and families like that, it, it gets ugly. Yes, it does. And as far as I'm concerned, all this stuff about the uh, faculty and the uh, boosters and all that kind of stuff, uh, I've heard it off and on forever. And, you know, there may be some truth to it, but I guarantee you there's truth to that everywhere you go. And uh, I just, you know, if all that is the truth, you know, well, why did Brian Harson take the job? Or, or why did Pat die, Tommy Tuberville, or Malzahn stay around for 10 years? I mean, it just, uh, I think all that's rumor and accusation. I mean, it, it may be a tough job in some ways. I think it's tough because you got such tough competition. You got the Alabama fans, the Georgia fans, and, you have to play that schedule, but uh, you know, other than that, I I just think it's a bunch of mess. And and then you know, if people did this because they want another coach or they didn't get who they wanted, they're pretty much uh, guaranteeing that they're not going to get who they want because you know. Uh, and why would he want to stay? I mean, I want him to stay because I think he's a good coach. And and these guys that ran off and and all, you know, they just need to keep their mouth shut. I mean, they left, let it be. I mean, they, they made the decision, and, uh, you know, uh, if they got some proof, bring it on. But uh, other than that, don't listen to them. They, they ran out on us, and, and it ain't like we we let them down. That's what I was saying on the radio the other day is, you know, the receiver that left. It ain't like Auburn let him down. He he got to play every ball game. got plenty of chances. And why would you leave when you have a chance to come back as the number one guy? You just run out on everybody. But. And the guy says it was his, you know, it's his decision. Yeah, it's his decision, but it's still it, it, it's nothing that Auburn needs to be ashamed of. I mean, heck, he had all the chances in the world. And as far as the hard coaching and stuff, you know, it, when I was in basic training, I would have uh, gladly changed uh, teams or or uh, drill sergeants or whatever. But I tell you what, I was a better man for sticking it out. And that's what they need to do. You know, you make a decision and. Uh, and all these fans need to just cool out. I mean, all this Twitter stuff. I mean, I, I don't even know where people just sit around and have nothing better to do. I don't get it. Keith, we appreciate the call, my man. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. We appreciate it. I was Keith on the live with us. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 02. I think he's making a lot of sense. You talk about the dynamic now of former players talking about the regime and current players talking about the regime. You've said which side you would land on in that situation, who you would tend to believe more. 
I would go with the players that are currently on the roster that want to be here and want Brian Harson to be their head coach. That's just my opinion because no offense to those guys that left, but they don't it sounds it sounds bad, but they don't matter anymore because they're on another team. The guys that matter are the guys that are still in Auburn's locker room trying backing up their head coach. And I could be wrong, so tell me if I am, but I don't think I've seen anything from a current player that is going to be on this roster next year say something bad about Brian Harson. Have you? I could be wrong, but I haven't seen that. The guys that are still on the team and going to be on this team next year, whether they're recruits, whether they're guys that are coming back to play an extra year, they're all in support of Brian Harson. And I just think that speaks that speaks high volume, in my opinion. And their voices matter. And they've said so. They've wanted to talk to the board about it because they're the ones that matter. It's the players. And they're the ones that get hurt out of all this, too. Because if Brian Harson gets fired... All these guys, I mean, what are they going to do? You're going to play for another head coach, or are you going to leave and go somewhere else? They're put in a really bad spot as well. Timing's bad, and that's what I said after the Dan, after Dan's call was that you you reset again. You're blowing it all up all over again, and that's not a place that you want to be at because now you've got to go through everything you went through this year with a different coach who's going to have a different culture. You've got to restart recruiting all over again because this recruiting class was built in the image and the vision of what Brian Harson wanted, not necessarily in the image and the vision and the schemes of what somebody else wanted. You don't want to blow it up all over again. You want to let this try and run out a little bit, assuming that there aren't any facts out there of mistreatment or... You know, any of these rumors actually being true or anything like that, right? Right. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We appreciate the calls there from Dan and Keith here to open up hour number two. Still on making headlines. We're going to pivot away from football here, but we'll continue to talk about it throughout the show, especially if you call in about it. We want to talk to you about it. There's just not a whole lot of new stuff that's happened since friday right friday was when all the chaos went down and since then it's just been a lot of the fan base talking about it on social media there was even a little bit i guess of a protest yesterday at tumor's corner if that's that's what what you you want to call it it. Yeah. yeah and then of course there was a statement released from auburn university today but it's the exact same statement i shouldn't say the exact same but it is a very similar statement to what we got on friday from jay Gouge at the board of trustees meeting when he said we're separating fact from fiction right and that's kind of what they're still saying right here in today's statement about how they're still collecting information from a variety of perspectives and they're not going to make any decisions based on social media posts or media headlines and whatnot they're still that mums the word on the decision right you just you just don't know what yeah. it is and it didn't make any it didn't make any progress so we really haven't moved anywhere from friday to today but transitioning into Auburn basketball and still on making headlines of course they hung on to beat Georgia over the weekend with a last second bucket from Wendell Green who also earned the honor of SEC player of the week and of course Auburn today still the number one team in the country Noah and they should be and we'll talk about that in our next segment when we get to it I want to make sure we allot enough time to debunk a lot of the nonsense that's being said about Auburn basketball right now it's outrageous the attacks that I've seen on Auburn basketball's credibility, not just to be the number one team in the country, but that there's some sort of fraud that the teams that Auburn has already beaten this year and the fact that Auburn is 22-1 and right now, the fact that somebody could even allege that Auburn basketball is not a national championship contender right now, that there's some type of fraud is just outrageous to me. And, of course, we'll get to the top 25 in just a second. Auburn basketball on Saturday, just a brief take here on the game because we did talk about this in hour number one and we'll talk about this later on in the show as well with Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle President. Here's my take on Saturday. Of course, you watch SEC Network right after the game. 
You see what was said about it. You see how Bruce Pearl responded. I've seen some people say some things on Twitter about this. Here is my take on Auburn basketball blowing these leads. They're close calls at Missouri and Georgia. Here's the reality. Two things can be true at the same time. It doesn't have to be all or nothing here. Yes, Auburn should stop blowing leads. I've been saying that before everybody else started saying that. I've been saying that since the beginning of January. Trevor will tell you, I have been saying that for a very long time now, that this Auburn team, that was an area where they needed to improve. Well, a month later, that is still something that they're struggling with, and they've had two close calls in the past two weeks. That is still something that needs to get fixed, and I will not back down from that. That is a problem with this basketball team that could cost them the championship this year. A national championship. It could could cost them that. Likewise, though, I also think it's fair to say, this is also true at the same time, it is comforting to know that this team's going to find a way to pull it out. This team has constantly, they have not wavered. They have not yielded, if you want to go with the fight song. They have not yielded in the face of adversity, no matter who the opposition is. They have gotten up for every single big game, and even when they haven't played their best, they have still willed it in a way to where they found a way to win. So... I think that both can be true. Auburn still has a lot of improving to, be, to do, but nobody else is 22-1 and one in the country. Nobody else is winning like Auburn is right now. Look at UCLA, number three in the, in the polls last week, loses to Arizona State, right? In Arizona State, many games below 500. You, just, you break this down. Nobody else is winning like Auburn is right now. And granted, Georgia and Missouri are two bad basketball teams. They're not good, but it's still a road game in what may be the deepest conference in college basketball this year, aside from the Big East. I think the Big East probably takes the cake there. But we all saw what the SEC did to the Big 12 in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. We all saw what teams like Ole Miss did to Kansas State, what Florida did to Oklahoma State. This league is deep all the way to the bottom. It is. Alabama beat Baylor by double digits, okay, or nine points or whatever it was. Kansas was annihilated by Kentucky. We all saw what the SEC did. And Auburn is 22-1 and one right now and undefeated in this league, and I think they deserve more respect than what they're getting. So while it is true that Auburn did hang on to beat Georgia and Missouri and those aren't good performances, everybody's got a bad performance or two across the season. They do. And the reality is when Auburn's bad performances have come up this year, they haven't beaten them. They've still found a way to win. I think both can be true. Auburn still needs to improve. Everybody still needs to improve. But they are incredibly clutch and they're finding ways to win these games and that's a huge positive. So that was Noah's take on Auburn basketball. When we come back for break, I'll give you my take and we'll talk about is Auburn the new enemy in college basketball? Welcome back to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Give us a call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Talking about Auburn football, basketball, anything going on in the sporting world, give us a call. Me and Noah, we want to hear what you got to say. And we were talking about Auburn basketball before the break. We're continuing on with making headlines. And of course, Auburn, they hung on to beat Georgia over the weekend. The new AP poll came out today. They're still the number one team in the country. This will be the third week in a row that Auburn is the number one team in the country. And Noah was talking about how the slander against this Auburn basketball team is unwarranted and should not be there. And I totally agree, my friend. It's outrageous. It's (laughs) irreputable. There's no, I mean, there's no way that you can say Auburn is not a top three, at least, team in the country. And they are the top team right now. And of course, close wins against Missouri and Georgia does not make them look good, but they won those games. And that's what counts. They won those games. What is one thing that I have said since I've been on this show for almost three weeks now? Tough. 
SEC road games are tough to win. They are hard basketball games to win in the se- probably the second best deepest conference in the country. They're hard games to win. And I agree with what you were saying. Auburn has got to figure out a way to quit blowing leads. I don't know if it's a mindset thing, a mentality thing, if it's just a slow start thing. I don't know what it is, but it's happened in almost every game that Auburn's played this year, especially in the SEC. They get up by 8 to 12 points on a team at the half. And maybe more than that. And maybe even more than that. And you know as an Auburn fan, well, this team's going to come back and make this a ball game halfway through the second half. And you just know that that's going to happen. And of course, Auburn always puts it away. Yes, but... With the exception of the Missouri and Georgia games where it just kind of lingered. Yes, but you can't make... That's a bad habit to get into for a college basketball team. And the the rest of their games, they've only got one ranked team on there. So if they continue this, this whatever you want to call it, this trend, okay, they're probably going to win all these games. But when you get into the NCAA tournament and you play a Big East team like Villanova or Providence or a Big Ten school like Ohio State or Illinois, or Illinois, when you play against a team like that and you get up by double digits, you can't let them come back and win that game. If you do and Auburn loses in the Sweet 16, that is a huge disappointment because this team is favored to win the national title because they're just that good. Let's head back to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390. And Dan is back with us. Dan, what's up? Yeah, not much. I was going to talk basketball since y'all got on that topic. Um, you know, I don't think people realize how much having Zeb not play that game. I mean, it's it's a huge deal. Not that Zeb is a big scorer. I mean, he can definitely make his open shots and stuff. But it's just he plays about eighteen to twenty minutes, and if you take those extra minutes off those other guys, then obviously they're playing fresher, and so then they're shooting better, and they can defend better. You know, we didn't really get to to press very much or play very aggressively because our guys were going to be on maximum minutes. And so, and then not only does that, you know, take up minutes for other guys, it's like he's tiring the other players out. And then he also forces the players to have to shoot tougher shots, you know, and, and pushes them into Kessler. So I, I think he's, he's really a huge asset that we didn't really, most of us would probably just take it for granted. You know, yeah, he defends good, but he's not, you know, a big scorer. But I, I think that's really what helps our team so much, having that guy that can come in and defensively we just lock people down, you know. And he protects the, the basketball really just got well. tired. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Wendell Green had to play 36 minutes. He talked about that in the post game. You can see visibly how tired him and KD Johnson were at the end of the game. I agree with you. I don't think enough's been made about that. And that's why when you look across college basketball and all these naysayers, they're all in like parts unknown United States. They might be in Kansas. They might be in Arizona. They might be in, you know, Nashville somewhere, you know, that they don't watch Auburn and they don't cover Auburn on a day to day basis. So they don't know how important that dynamic is where you got a guy like Wendell Green who's playing 25 minutes a game now all of a sudden had to play 36 that extra 11 minutes like you said that affects their ability to shoot that affects their ability to defend that affects their decision making Zepp Jasper was a big part of what happened Saturday and there's no telling if he's going to play tomorrow which definitely puts tomorrow's result into question Dan we appreciate the call my man thanks that was Dan on the line with us. If you want to call in 334-321-1390, we got 30 seconds left here. Jacob, your response to that? I 100% agree. Zeb Jasper not playing in that game against Georgia was huge, and it was you could see it, especially in the second half. And, yes, Zeb's defense is a big part, but you said it right. His ball handling and his, his ability to take care of the basketball is such a huge 
factor and deal for this team. He's able to bring the ball up the floor, run the half-court offense, and he doesn't commit turnovers. And that's such a key part for being a good point guard. A great point guard does not score 20 points a game. A great point guard has doubled the amount of assists as they do to turnovers, and Zeb Jasper does that and some. Coming up on the other side of this rake, we'll have Jacob Hillman, the Auburn Jungle president. Joining us here on the Monday edition of the program, talking Auburn-Arkansas tomorrow. Big game, 18-5 and five are the Razorbacks. Still not ranked. Ridiculous. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's Jacob Square on the Monday edition of the show. Jacob Hillman, uh, Auburn Jungle president with us now on the program. Jacob, how you doing today, my man? I'm good. Glad to be on the line with you and Jacob today. It's great to have you on the line with us. And we're going to start off talking about Auburn basketball. You are the president of the Auburn student section. Your basketball program is being attacked nationally. People saying they don't deserve to be number one. Your rebuttal. Well, first of all, I think it's, I think it's a very vocal minority that is saying that Auburn basketball doesn't deserve to be number one. And, of course, the vocal minority is going to get most of the attention from and about 75 percent of them are kentucky fans right right and a few gonzaga fans thrown in there you know something like that it, it is what it is and what i'll say is yeah auburn got a impressive win against alabama that is the largest margin of defeat for alabama this season 19 points and then you go to georgia where they give you their best shot and you survive a win and i would say in conference play on the road, surviving and advancing is about as good as you can do. Anything uh, you do better than that is is really impressive. So I, I, I look at it from the fact that Auburn should be ranked number one until uh, they lose. So that, that that's what I'll say on that. And we'll, we'll see what happens this upcoming week if Auburn goes 2-0 this week. And uh, depending on how they do it, I think we'll see even more uh, – uh, I don't know if controversy is the right way to put it, but I think maybe you'll see uh, some more voters or, 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 or who knows, just media saying that Auburn doesn't deserve to be number one. But I think Auburn deserves to be number one until they lose. Talking about the Georgia game on Saturday, of course everybody saw what happened on the postgame show on SEC Network, your response. Did Auburn deserve to win the game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if Georgia had won, if Wendell Green had uh, not made that layup and then – you go to overtime and Georgia wins it in overtime. Georgia deserves to win the game, but I don't think that. I think it, I, I'll echo what Coach Pearl said. It's just it's really not. It's not. It's it's not really about uh, deserving to win and whatnot. It's, they both both teams played well. Auburn got a big lead, gave it up, and Georgia gave them the best fight that they could. And I think that I was I was impressed by the Georgia squad on Saturday, especially after. Losing by 23 or however many it was in Auburn Arena, I thought it was a it was a good performance by them, and I think Auburn weathered the storm well, even without a starting point guard in Seth Jasper and Jabari Smith only going two for seven from the field. Walker Kessler only scoring 10 points. That's what is impressive to me, and why I think Auburn deserves to win is you had the other guys step up, and they stepped up when they needed to at the end of the game. Katie Johnson making game tying layups, and of course one of the with game winning one. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Jungle president and the sports director of Weagle 91.1 FM. 
Jacob, of course, Auburn did get that win against Georgia on Saturday, and now they're back on the road at Arkansas tomorrow night there in Fayetteville. What's your initial thought of Auburn going into this game uh, tomorrow night at Arkansas? I have to imagine this will be one of the tougher games Auburn has played. I mean, Georgia is probably one of the toughest games Auburn's played so far this season, but I wouldn't say it was that tough the entire for all 40 minutes. I think the end of the game is when things got really critical and crucial, whereas tomorrow night I think it's going to be 40 minutes of it. It's going to be 40 minutes of uh, Arkansas really playing its best basketball, and that atmosphere is going to be unreal. There's going to be a lot less Auburn fans in Arkansas than there were at Georgia, so that's going to make a difference as well. And I really think that you're going to need to see a lot more guys step up because I don't think you can have one or two guys for Auburn step up and win this game tomorrow night. I think you're going to need your best players to play up to par, and uh, that, that includes Walter Kessler and Jabari Smith. If you don't have Zeb Jasper back, then you need the bench to step up as well, especially at the guard position. Uh, I, I look at Arkansas. I see J.D. Note. He scores a lot of points. Zeb Jasper being back would be amazing so you can guard him uh, better, but uh, we'll see if he will be available tomorrow night. And I really think that this is one of the biggest chances that Auburn has at falling the rest of the way. Of course, Fayetteville, Arkansas is about 10 and a half hours away from Auburn. What is your, what's your estimate on how many Auburn fans are actually going to be able to make that trip on a Tuesday night over to Fayetteville? Or do you think it's going to be just a, a full sellout for Arkansas and a tough road game for the Tigers? Yeah, I think it'll be closer to the full sellout for Arkansas. Of course, you're going to have uh, some Auburn fans there, but I don't think it's going to be up to the number that we saw in Tuscaloosa, in Oxford, or in Athens uh, over the past month. So I think that uh, it's going to be it's going to be a true road environment that Auburn has to deal with, and one of the toughest environments in college basketball, other than the jungle, of course. And I, I really think that. Uh, Arkansas, they're one of the hottest teams right now in the SEC. I think on an eight-game winning streak, if I'm, if I'm correct. And, you know, it, it's something that they're going to be ready. I think Arkansas should be ranked personally. I think they should be between 20 and 25 this weekend. I think that's going to be a little added extra motivation for the Razorbacks. Speaking with Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president. Jacob, what's the thing that concerns you the most? A lot of Auburn folks are worried about tomorrow's game at Fayetteville, and I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, this is the game. If Auburn's going to lose before the season's over with, this is the game that I would peg. What concerns you the most about tomorrow in Fayetteville? Well, it would be as Zeb Jasper is not uh, healthy and ready to go. I think Wendell Green did a great job in the starting position uh, on Saturday against Georgia, but I also look at the fact that it felt like when Auburn started to let Georgia come back, it was a lot of sloppy play, and I think part of it was Wendell Green got tired, and you're having to play Preston Cook, who hasn't gotten uh, very many uh, crucial minutes so far this year as he's a former walk-on. He's on scholarship for the first time this year, so he hasn't played uh, big-time minutes so far this year, so he, he was putting into, in, into a big situation, and I think he did a fine job, but once he got into that middle of the second half where Green was tired and, and Cook wasn't playing up to par, that's when you need Zeb Jasper. You need the experienced guy who doesn't turn the ball over and is an excellent defender to be in the game to really weather this comeback that Georgia was mounting. I think that if you have him tomorrow, it's going to make a heck of a difference. You're, you're going to not see J.D. Note go crazy. You're going to see uh, – what we've seen from Auburn, like when they beat Alabama by 19, when they went on the road and beat other teams uh, handedly. So I, I look at it from that aspect. I also look at it from the aspect that, you know, it is basketball. You lose a game, it's not the end of the world, especially when you start at 10-0 and in the SEC. That, if you're 10-1, and oh well, especially against a hot Arkansas team, 
that should be ranked, and you're playing at their home arena in a tough environment. You know, I look at it from the aspect of it, it, it's, this, this is a disaster if Auburn is to fall. So uh, I think Auburn could definitely win. I say that it gets a lot tougher whenever you don't have Zeb Jasper, though. Well, Jacob, you kind of dipped into what I was going to ask you. If Let's play the both sides of this scenario tomorrow night. If Auburn wins at Arkansas, what does that mean for the rest of the season? And then the other side, if Auburn loses this game at Arkansas, what does that mean for the rest of the season, in your opinion? Yeah, well, if, if Auburn wins, and I think it's almost business as usual, it's continuing to do what they've been doing. Uh, obviously, I don't know how it's going to happen if they were to win, but you know, I would probably expect several the front court to play better than they did on Saturday, Wendell Green to have a decent game, and you go Saturday, college game, they come to town in front of the jungle, uh, excited for that. Now, if you lose, that, that's, a, that's a different story because no one, you, barely, you don't know what losing feels like because the last time it happened was in November on Thanksgiving break before the Iron Bowl was played. So I, I think that it would, be, it would be different to see how they bounce back uh, after a loss. And, you know, I don't think it really changes the course of the season. You're still in position to win the SEC regular season, have the number one seed in the SEC tournament as well as the NCAA tournament. I don't think a loss tomorrow night even knocks you off the one line. I should say I know it won't, uh, depending on how the game goes. And I think that it's just something that Auburn will have to – it's more adversity for them to overcome. We saw uh, adversity against Georgia when they mounted that comeback. We've seen it uh, throughout the season, but not something like a loss on the road. And uh, I I think that it almost wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because I think – a lot of Auburn fans have said it on Twitter through whatever, is that, I mean, eventually it's a basketball team. they got to lose at some point. But, I mean, at this point, you almost just want to win out the rest of the way. So I don't think a loss changes the course of the season or anything like that. But it will be a critical point in the season for this team to respond. Taking a look across the conference, you see a giant clump of teams at 4-6 and six right now in the middle of the league. I want your opinion on the SEC right now. Jacob Goins believes that this league is only going to get like five teams in at the end into the NCAA tournament. What do you think the SEC looks like in terms of bracketology after little by little teams have been picked off outside the top 25, only three remain ranked out of the Southeastern Conference, supposedly being the second-best league in basketball? Yeah, it's it's very interesting this year because you see teams like uh, Vanderbilt that have improved a little bit. Texas A&M started off SEC play well, but they've lost several in a row. And, you know, it's hard to tell. Alabama was supposed to be up there in the rankings. They're eighth place in the SEC. Um, then you look at teams like Florida who you can't really get a good – I don't know what – I don't know if they're good or not. I think they are. But you've seen them play games that you say they probably aren't good – they probably won't make a run in the NCAA tournament, but you never know. I think that once we get to SEC tournament time, I think you'll be able to gauge better uh, what, what, what it looks like. If you go in the SEC tournament and you see, let's say, Alabama's at a seven seed and they knock off Kentucky or something like that, then that makes things look a little bit better for the SEC. Whereas you go into the SEC tournament and all the higher seeds win, I think that kind of shows that maybe the middle of the pack of the SEC isn't as good as we thought it was uh, preseason or even right now. Uh, but it's going to be interesting because, obviously, we know what we get from Auburn and Kentucky. Uh, we think we know what we have from Tennessee and, I would say, LSU. But then after that, I think it's kind of, who knows, I think Mississippi State could be a big sleeper team that sneaks into the tournament, maybe make some noise in, in Tampa. But 
I don't really know because it feels like as soon as you think you realize what you've got from a certain team, they turn around and do the complete opposite, whether it's a loss or a win. So uh, right now I think the middle of the pack of the SEC is probably a little bit overrated, but I think my opinion could be changed uh, in the next month. Speaking with Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president, you're incredibly plugged in with baseball as well. My man, we're 11 days away. What are you hearing? Oh, I can't wait, but, uh, I mean, it, it's the same thing. This team is it's happy. I think Coach Johnson was talking about it. That, you know, they're, they're keeping it close to the vest, and it's, it's, you haven't heard a lot. I think last year going into the season, there was a lot of hype for this team, uh, whereas this year, you know, we're 11 days away. People are excited, but, you know, it's not the same as it was uh, preseason last year. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Operation Atmosphere is something that we've got going on. Uh, Coach Thompson is really pushing. Uh, so it's going to be fun to get back in Plainsman Park. And obviously not 11 days. They'll be in Arlington. But the week after that, uh, it'll be fun to be back. But as far as on the diamond, I really look uh, at the offense. And I think I've been saying this uh, the last few times you've asked me about it. It's just Blake Rambush. I think he's going to be a great leadoff hitter, a great third baseman. He was named to uh, a preseason list earlier today. Do one baseball? Uh, Sonny Yeah, exactly. I think that he is going to be a great player for Auburn. Uh, Sonny Desharo, the power. We, if you've looked at Auburn baseball social media, you've seen him hit home run after home run in fall and preseason practice. Um, and then Brooks Carlson, he hit a home run, another Stanford transfer. And we know the returnees, Kaysen Howell, Brody Moore, uh, Garrett Farquhar. There's other guys out there that uh, the experienced ones are going to help the newcomers really fit in and, and gel together. So I think the offense is something that is going to be key for Auburn this year because what I think we're going to get from the pitching staff is just – being solid. There's not a Tanner Burns. There's not a Casey Mize on this roster. Nothing like that, but I think they're going to have a solid rotation that doesn't do anything too drastic one way or the other. So you need the offense just to be consistent and make sure they uh, put runs on the board and you won't see any issues with the pitching staff. Jacob, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can keep up with you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at JacobHillmanAU and Follow the Jungle social media accounts with College Game Day coming to town. We're going to have a lot of content and information for everyone uh, for the upcoming weekend. Jacob, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good rest of your week. And, um, you know, do well in school, my man. We'll see you back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. War Eagle. That was Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president. We will be back with more of On the Line to wrap up the show. Ramping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Got about six minutes until we head out of here and then about ten minutes until the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. That will be from four to six on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. So the live sports here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's rolling seven hours of local programming on ESPN 106.7. It's not going anywhere. Two more hours coming up after us. Before we get out of here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey, everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The 2022 Winter Olympics continue on NBC from 7 to 11.30 p.m. with alpine skiing, figure skating, speed skating, and more. A new episode of Big Brother Celebrity Edition is on CBS at 8 p.m. Movie selections for tonight, superhero movie with Ant-Man and the Wasp on TNT at 5.30. Men in Black International is on FX Movies at 6.40. Gran Torino is on AMC at 7. In live sports, it's a big Monday in college basketball. Virginia has 
at number nine, Duke at six on ESPN. Staying in the ACC over on ACC Network at six as well. Virginia Tech will host Pittsburgh. Moving to the 8 p.m. time slot, we have some top 25 action. Number seven, Arizona is at Arizona State on FS1. Number 10, Kansas and number 23, Texas square off in the Big 12 on ESPN. The NBA schedule has one game on NBA TV at 7 p.m. as the Phoenix Suns and the Chicago Bulls battle it out. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Got about five minutes left here, live on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you. Rapid Gob, the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's take a look at some of the things that happened this past weekend in college basketball and what was the significance of some of those things that happened in the Southeastern Conference, looking at those results. This is something that we didn't talk about back in hour number one when we were looking at college basketball. There was an upset this past weekend that we glossed over a little bit, Vanderbilt. And it wasn't close. They took down LSU 75-66. to They were up 43-25 to at the end of the first half. And, of course, LSU outscored them 41-32 to in the second half. But right now, Will Wade's squad, they're reeling. They're struggling big time. And they remember, they started out they started out hot. And they were 3-1 in, in conference play. And then, in, yeah, in conference play, they started 3-1. and one. Of course, their only loss was to Auburn the very first game of the SEC schedule. And but, now they're 4-6. and six. Man, there was a point. They were the number three team in the net. Okay, they were the number three team in the country in the what net are they rankings. Now? That's a good question. I don't know. Give me a second and I'll find it. But yeah, man, they are um, they're reeling and they're struggling real bad. And they they better figure it out and they better make a nice little run in the SEC tournament because not not that they're going to miss the tournament, but if they keep going the way they are, I mean, they, they very well could miss out on the tournament if they just continue to lose like they're doing. I don't know what they are in in bracketology right now. Last week they were a six seed, which I'm not totally certain that they're going to hold on to anything higher than an eight after the loss to Vanderbilt and with the remaining schedule the way if things don't change for them I mean definitely if things change they could be higher than an eight seed um and I, and I probably don't expect them to drop lower than an eight seed but just it, it is a little intense right now for LSU if they don't change they're playing ways right now because they still have AM, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Arkansas, Alabama all left on the schedule and there's plenty of losses to go around in this league to teams like they just proved Outside of that group, to teams like Vanderbilt, you know, Georgia can even shock them maybe. Mm-hmm. They beat Alabama, South Carolina, Missouri just beat A&M. There's a, there's a lot of L's to go around if you're not playing well in the SEC. We're going to wrap up the show here, headed to the phone lines, our last call of the day. Shane squeezing in here before we get out of here. Shane, what's up, my man? Hey, guys. I'm sorry I didn't, didn't, watch the, didn't listen to the show today, just, just, and I'm squeaking in. But You're good, um, man. We always take the call. You, you guys were talking about, um, about LSU's, you know, impacts uh, right now. Um, they just got a, a five-star recruit in, like, not too long ago. Like, maybe this past week. What is, you know, let's just say that they finish up really, really poorly. What are the chances that guy, you know, is he is he signed or is he just, like, set the verbal? You know, what's the chances of that guy, you know, saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up and see, you know, some other schools? You're talking about the LSU basketball commit? Yeah. I'm not familiar. Okay, so Julian Phillips out okay, of Missouri, okay. the five-star power forward, he is signed. Right. Well, here's here's my thing. I think if LSU, if they miss the tournament, it's a very like I mean, not likely, but there's definitely a, a chance that he could rethink his commitment. I'm not sure if he's signed or not. I'll be really honest with you. Oh Shane. no, it's Johan Traore. That's who he's talking about. He he committed yeah. back on January 30th, and he is not right. signed. So if he's not signed, then yeah, if LSU continues to play very poorly and miss the NCAA tournament, yeah, he very I mean he very well could decommit and go somewhere else, but. It would have to take a dumpster fire, I think, for him to lose and or leave LSU and Will Wade. But I mean, yeah, it, it definitely could be possible. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
I, I'm a little worried about uh, Arkansas, to be honest, this, uh, tomorrow. Uh, that for, for the past couple of weeks, Arkansas has been the one that I've, I've had, like, in the back of my mind, like, that if we're going to lose, I think it could be to Arkansas, actually. I did not think we were going to be this close to Georgia. But um, what, what do you guys thoughts on, on this? You probably already talked about it, and forgive me if you did. But um, well, anyway, that, that was it. I'll, I'll get off. Uh, where you go, guys? Yeah, I appreciate I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for the call, Shane. And you're not you're not alone in that. With many Auburn fans, this Arkansas game has been circled on the calendar. I've been saying as, it for a month. As a game that it will be the hardest road game that Auburn plays all year long. And I think it's still true. And I think Auburn fans still have that worry going in to Bud Walton Arena, right? And um, it's the yeah. third toughest place to play in the SEC. And they're going to be ready, too, boy. You can Rump, believe that. Rump, Auburn Arena, and Bud Walton. Those are the those are the three toughest places to play in the Southeastern Conference. Not in that particular order, though, right? I'm sorry. A, a, a packed out Rupp Arena to the brim is, is a very high. difficult place to That's play. High. But no, I mean, Shane, you're not alone, man. Many Auburn fans, myself included, we're worried about the Auburn or the Arkansas game tomorrow night. It's not a game that Auburn can't win, but they better show up and play their best ball. They can't play like they have the last two road games or they'll lose. And to go back to what you just said, Auburn Arena's up there with Rupp, okay? It is. They're 1A and 1B. But look, man, Rupp's... I mean, hey, you said that at the end of the show, so nobody can call in and complain to you, right? It's Rupp, man. Yeah, I mean, but... they, they seat like double the capacity and they pack it out when they're good. Yeah, they're yeah. Pack, that's, that is unbelievably difficult to play in. I'm biased. I'm an I'm, I'm an Auburn Jungle member with you know with Hillman and those guys. I I'm, Auburn I'm Arena is incredible. It's one of the best environments in college basketball. There's a reason why people say one yep. of the best though. Yeah, one of the best. I agree. Auburn better no play shame, well tomorrow man. though. Better play well. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.